0: This is a more than just podcast production. What kind of camera you got? It looks amazing.
1: That is actually my iPhone 12 mini going through a uh, camo studio. I don't know if you ever, uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an app that basically lets you turn your iPhone or iPad camera into your webcam,
2: Wow, which is like a thousand, like a thousand
1: times better than any webcam out there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, yeah. I, I've noticed that, uh, like a lot of, a lot of people who are doing YouTube stuff or using like 4k, um, mm-hmm. video, right? So,
1: yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, ha- I have a Logitech 4K. That's pretty good, but I find this yeah. camera is even better.
2: So yeah, and I'm, I've got like a plethora of uh, iPhones around here anyway. Like, cause I've got some for work that do nothing. I use I use one to record on my 3D printer when I'm printing something. Do time lapse and that kind of stuff. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of More Than Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Joe Schapulinski in, in Denver?
1: Uh, Boulder, actually. Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Okay,
2: cool. Yeah, that's going to be my first question is, is, how did you end up in Colorado? Because you've been, last time we were talking, we were, you were in New York, I think,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a, been an interesting journey. We actually moved The day of the first case of COVID uh, in New York uh, is when I got on my plane to come here to Boulder, and they shut down the whole city of Boulder like five days later. So it's been a crazy adventure in a new city without being able to get out a whole lot for the big, uh, for the most part, for the first year or so of it. And then with the vaccine and everything, it's been a little better. Um, But yeah, I just came out here. Uh, My significant other had a job opportunity, and I had been coming out to Denver for 360i Dev, where we've seen each other several times in person. Uh, and so I knew the area pretty well. And so when she had an opportunity to have a job uh, offer in Boulder, I thought, sure. Uh, I'd been there once before, just just once to the city here, um, just on a separate trip. Uh, so, But I, I knew the area well enough. I knew I knew some other iOS developers. I wouldn't be completely alone out here. Uh, and I thought it'd be a cool idea. And it worked out really well cool yeah and i guess are you with skiers as well no oddly enough uh, i do not ski or snowboard uh i'm a little a little afraid of that i did it once i went up to whistler uh one time and uh, enjoyed myself had a lesson kind of learned it and thought to myself okay this is kind of nice i get it but i don't want to die so <laughs> <laughs> i just uh, don't quite trust myself with balancing type sports
2: yeah yeah i mean i'd, I'd skied in high school and then um I moved to Vancouver for eight months, and my wife said to me, "Until you have benefits and coverage, you're not going skiing." So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I never even made it out to Whistler the entire time I was there. Sadly enough, right? So
1: yeah, it's a well, beautiful place. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and I don't ski anymore, so that's that's another story. Um, all right, and um, yeah, I guess uh, Mark Boulder is where Mark and Mindy were. That was the home of that show, right? I think that
1: is right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. It kind of makes me want to go back and check out the series and watch it again with that perspective. But yeah, I haven't watched this since it was on TV, like back in this what was it, late seventies, early eighties.
2: You know, it's funny. I, I should I tell you first of all, too. This is this is a, a, a not officially, but officially your fifth time on more than just code. So oh, wow. Jaime's going to prepare you a nice little velour jacket <laughs> with a five on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
1: I didn't realize it had been that many times. That's great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had I thought about it too. Like, I think, um, cause we did, we, I think we've done two at 360 I dev, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. where else so we do the third one? Hmm. Okay.
1: And worth one year or yeah, I can't remember.
2: Not in North. No. Let me, let me just, uh, log on my. IPad.
1: Oh, uh, on the streets of, on the streets of San Jose. I think oh, right. Yeah. The the street spots. episode. Yeah. yeah. I, I talked to you after,
2: yeah. after the show. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, It was a good one. Yeah. yeah, it was a good, it was a good episode. I mean, like, you know, I, I was kind of hedging my bets because I didn't know whether we would be able to record, get into the podcast studio. We had booked it. I went every day, like I went Monday, tried to get in. No, nope, mm-hmm. no, nope, nobody's around. I can answer your question. Tuesday, no, nope, nobody's. Around. And then Wednesday I went just after Randy Ritchie was there actually. And, uh, and I said, you know, can I, and they said, oh, this earliest day is like thursday so so we booked it and then you know the the four of us went in and recorded but so i you know tuesday night was uh live near wwdc so i i had already brought a road mic Mm -hmm. and i basically every time i saw somebody that i knew i'd say hey you want to be on the podcast for a second (laughs) everybody said yeah surprisingly well you know not surprisingly knowing our community right exactly
1: yeah that was a lot of fun i remember you just kind of yeah costing me outside of uh, what was it, whatever the name of that place was and yeah it was it was okay. a lot of fun yeah
2: i can't remember the name of the place either never remember Not the name sure. of that yeah but yeah that's good stuff it was near wwc that's all that matters right
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it was during the week yeah yeah, but, sure. uh, yeah i never actually went to the podcast studio so i never i never really saw what that looked like so it was a good it, you
2: know you, you think it's like some big highfalutin thing but it was literally the end of a hallway <laughs> And there was like a wall and then um behind the wall was the actual studio itself there it was a picture on our art if you look at the art, the art for that show okay um basically a table with four you know, you know sure smb 75s mics and and uh a lady doing something right into logic pro so they gave me like a logic pro file with the with the audio all built in and on a couple of usb sticks and i just went and edited them all right so it was super super simple but yeah That was a lot of fun, and you know, I but I I don't know why I imagined it would be some sort of you know soundproofy kind of you know (laughs) like you've got baffles behind you. Is are those is that what those are?
1: Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Just to make this room sound a little bit better, a little less echoey, I added a few on both sides, and then I have a curtain on the wall with the window. Yeah, that helped. I tend to. I think that helps quite a bit. Although I'm getting probably tons of reflections off this monitor in front of me anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, but is is that the uh, is that the uh, where this the secret sauce is made for release notes?
1: Yeah, this is where this is where I generally record when I'm not traveling or doing some other Then I have a separate little travel rig for that, but Yeah, this Oh, is you the... do, you do. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. Always,
2: always curious about like we I think we talked once about how you, how you managed to edit your your audio because you and I think you had a separate channel
1: for Charles and yourself. Yeah, I, I have a guest Yeah, I have an I/O an in-out box that lets me record separate channels like coming in from different machines. And it used to be more complex. It used to uh, involve a Mac Mini that I ran Charles through and things like that. But then I discovered Audio Hijack, and that really helps (laughs) to be able to just route different audio to different channels. And so I can record uh, him separately. But I do have him record his track now because I find no matter how good you're you know, Zoom, Skype, whatever it is you're recording over, Uh, the audio is never quite as good as just coming right off the mic, right? So I'll have him record. Then I just used my recording of him as a reference track to line up. Um, And now I'm doing all my editing actually on Ferrite on the iPad, which is great. I recently switched over to that finally. On which app? Uh, It's called Ferrite. Oh, Uh, Ferrite. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, here's a question I have about Ferrite. I I tried it once for one episode, but I found the audio levels were really low.
1: Yes yeah I finally had to, I had to kind of boost them a little bit, so I kind of process the audio first before I send it over to the iPad. I run it quickly through uh, isotopes tools. And it lets you do a few things like getting the, the levels a little more, uh, even, uh, doing things like a little bit of reverb removal, you know, cause there's a little bit of an echo coming out of, uh, Charles's room and mine here even, um, and other things like that, like removing breath and other kinds of artifacts. And then I send that to the iPad and I do all the editing there with the Apple pencil. And that's, that's the part I really like about it. The only thing missing from ferret in my mind is that it only does one X speed for editing. And I really miss yeah. that from, from <laughs> logic being able to just go twice as fast. And, cause I know, I know our voices. I know our patterns well enough yeah. to where I, I can, you see can, you can
2: see the ums and the whatever <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the pattern, yeah. yeah so I mean yeah. like for me though I mean I, I did I watched Jason Snell's video on how to use ferrite and maybe I'll link it in the show here but uh on how to use to, to do editing and I really liked his style of you know you get rid of all the empty space and then you pull everything forward that kind of stuff manually and and it I did like it well I did find it super super easy to, to edit in ferrite just the levels were just too, too much for me but I mm-hmm. mean because what I do on on I'm sorry, folks who don't care about podcasting, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> what I do, uh, is, is we get the separate tracks, you know, I sync them up and then, um, I do a I do a first pass and I look for things that are wrong, eco, everybody balance, everybody out, mm-hmm. um, And then I go through and I do, I do some editing. Like, you know, if we start talking about things we shouldn't be talking about, I'll just go and blank out that whole section. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but you know, I'll go through and look for lip smacks and, and, uh, and ums, some of the ums. I don't, I'm not crazy about them, but you know, take the ones. And if somebody like we have a a thing on our show, if you say something wrong, just say, I'm going to say that again. And then, you know, Unlike Tammy, I will remove that. You know, <laughs> Tammy likes it when I mess up, so she always leaves it in the show. Right? Leave, yeah,
1: yeah. That's the beauty well, of being in the editor—you have the power to leave things, embarrassing yeah. things, in there. <laughs> well, that's if why like... the
2: last three episodes of, of uh, the podcast we're doing together—I, I, I asked if I could edit them. <laughs> 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 so you know, revenge is a best meal best served cold, right? There you go. But. uh <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. So, so I, I, but I, I I learned the audio production on tape. Right. So for me, um, so I'm kind of like doing the, the, you know, the, the old, you know, cut it with a razor and splice mm-hmm. it together, kind of editing on the first pass. And then I bounce it down to a master, like, so that I don't have all three tracks. I don't know if you do that. And then I go back in with that one master. That's when I put in this, the, the, the music at the beginning and, and the voiceovers See. for the outros and stuff like that. Right. But so I'm now now dealing with one. And like you, though, I, I do the same thing. I set it up. Once I'm happy with how things sound, I flip it on to twice as fast and just whip through it. And that still takes, like, you know, like we sometimes talk for two or three hours. Yeah. You know, unlike you guys, you guys think you're, you're hard, like 30 minutes or something like
1: that. Right. Yeah. Pretty much. If we go too far beyond 30 minutes, uh, I mean, I think our longest episode was like 40 minutes or something or 42 or three at most. But usually if we're getting to that territory, then we think about like, okay, can we make an hour out of this? And then we'll split it into two weeks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think just... our shortest episode is around 40 minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we try to keep it that way. And usually when we're interviewing someone, will it'll end up being two episodes. Cause we, um, end up talking with the guests quite a bit, but um, yeah, that's always decided after the fact. Like I'll say, okay, we have an hour's worth of material. I'll split it where it makes logical sense to cut it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, And we'll record the extra intro and outro for that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's it's very interesting i don't, I don't bounce down i keep uh, the audio on its or uh, this you know music track on its own separate track and i ha- kind of have that in a logic template originally and now i have it in a, in a ferrite template um, so they're just kind of sitting there and then i can just move them to where they need to be depending on the length of the audio but yeah i don't mix down until it's done like done done
2: um so you do like I, one iteration of like both both of you on or two of you or three of you on a track on the whole thing and then you just bounce from you do the final mp3 from there
1: uh, yeah well uh, usually i go out to aiff and then i'll run uh something like forecast or something like that yeah, to turn forecast it into an mp3 uh, okay. actually i think with Ferrite now I'm just using it's it sounds pretty good it's mp3 uh, exports so i think i'm using that directly but then i still run it through like a tag editor so i can add all the you know artwork and different things of that nature you, you go i do a lot more work with with the chapter markers and things like that i don't bother with that generally speaking yeah. well <laughs> on, just... on podcast i only do like
2: a few of them like just to mark spoilers because we talk about yeah. We do a lot of movie spoilers and stuff like that, right? So I want yeah. to basically give people a heads up, right? And then um, if I can remember get, to get the guys to tell me they're going to go into spoiler territory, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with with yeah with with our with when we do when we do more than just code, we're you know especially if we're doing like we're going to do the event, obviously. Maybe you and I'll talk about the event a bit today too. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we do an event, you know, I you normally break it down. I try to put as many chapter markers as I can, right? Because you know we've had a few. Some of our more loyal fans have, have been chomping at the bit for us to even add chapters to begin with. And then, then it makes sense once you get into it, you know?
1: Yeah. I think for a longer show, especially, cause there might be a whole section where it's like, well, I don't care about the Apple watch and they're talking about it for 25 yeah. minutes, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm hoping that people use the
2: chapters So like, if they, they want to go back and re-listen to something we might've said, they can, they can dive back in.
1: So that's true. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. easier to find sections that you were referring to. It's true.
2: And if I've gone, if I had to go back and remix a show that didn't have chapters, I've been putting chapters in them too, right? So, because now that I've got, it's now a routine. I mean, so for me, like, you know, one night I'll, I'll do the, the the first pass and then I'll take a break and go work or whatever and do something different. And then the next day I'll go in and do the the second edit, the final edit, right? Mm-hmm. So, so usually by Saturday morning I've got. You know, something in the can that I can publish. You know, either Friday, late late Friday, or early Saturday morning kind of thing, right? And then depending on you know what my honeydew list looks like mm-hmm. <laughs> on the weekend, <laughs> you may or may not get an episode, right? Right. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, speaking of release notes, so so I think uh, the caption on release notes is you know talk about we both both shows talk about the business of of app development. We talk about it more from a developer's perspective, but mm-hmm. but I'm always sort of like the reason it's more than just code is because there's more than just writing code. Right. But um you, you guys talk about the business of app development and all that kind of stuff, everything but the code you say. Right. Right. So now's your chance to
1: talk about the code, Joe. <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason we don't talk about code on the show. <laughs> I never feel as confident talking about code as I do talking about other yeah. topics. That's um, why I have Mark and Jaime on the show. <laughs> yeah, they get pretty deep sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well. But it's cool. Yeah. That that gives you that flexibility. The more than just code means you, you can also talk about code when you want to, every time we start getting into code, like we either have to stop ourselves and say, oh yeah, that's a little code or, or we'll hear from, from one of the audience members. Like, Hey, that was a little, yeah. A couple of people are like, Hey, they're just making fun. They, They don't actually complain, but it's pretty funny. Like, Hey, you actually got a little technical there considering you're supposed to be everything but the code. Yeah. Uh, one
2: of our one of our fans called it uh she said it's more than more than just code and sometimes code yeah. <laughs> <Or> sometimes...
1: <laughs> and sometimes it really is just code <laughs> it is
2: just code, yes, but or yeah, I, don't... I misquoted her, but anyway um yep. yeah so yeah so so tell us about release months. you're like we're in our seventh year, so you guys must be like eight, I guess, right,
1: somewhere around there, yeah, it'll be I guess May is our anniversary, I think every year, but you know, uh, we've done the, the, our big milestone is that we've done every, uh, every Monday we've had an episode, so we've never missed the Monday. So we're at four something right now. So like a fresh
2: episode every Monday, no repeats like
1: us. Yeah. Yeah. No repeats, no like greatest hits. Uh, we've always had an episode every Monday, Um, and like, let me look, let me look real quick. Yeah. The latest one is 435. So what, whatever divided by 52, that is, that's how long we've been doing it. So it makes it pretty easy for us to, to, uh, you know, be reliable in that way. Like with the two of us just kind of check each other on that. And it's like, it's become, it's one of those things. It's like my stand goal on the watch. Now I can't not do it because I'm, I'm so far in now. Like if we missed the Monday within the first year, it would have been much easier to just drop another Monday, but now it's sort of like, can't let it happen. <laughs> so that's, that's the sort of, uh, you know geek that I am that I have to, I have to file, follow patterns like that. Um, so yeah, we've never missed, we missed a week, which is pretty crazy all this time. Now we sometimes record two episodes because we know one of us will be away the following week or things like that. And I think we've gone as far as banking two or three, uh, a few times for longer trips, but sometimes we'll just record on the road. If it's, if it's like I'm at a conference, you know, or Charles is at a conference and it's like, well, that'll make it for good episode fodder. So yeah, just bring your microphone. Um, we'll figure it out. And cool. so that's, yeah, it's worked out pretty well over the years, but yeah, I can, it can, be, it can be pretty tedious when you're uh, trying to hit that goal uh, and trying to make sure you always hit it. You can't really have that option. Like we, you generally record on Thursdays and then the episode will go out Monday. So I have a few days there of editing, and Charles does the actual publishing. So oh, keeps, cool. keeps yeah. us on our toes. Yeah, so I try to get him a, an episode by Sunday night, no matter what.
2: <laughs> right, right. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. It's, and so 2014 when you started or 2013?
1: That sounds right. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: So what was the genesis of, of you just met at the conference and.
1: Yeah, we met at 360iDev and uh, we didn't actually end up talking. Like, we met, we were chatting, we went to a dinner together. And uh, it wasn't until several months later that we actually, uh, he, he wrote to me out of the blue and said, Do you ever consider doing a podcast? And I was like, mm, Yeah, kind of, but I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. And then we started bouncing ideas back and forth. And that's where we came up with the idea well, there are lots of people talking about app development. Um, you know, what else could we do? And that's when we thought, well, we're both sort of indie. App makers trying to make a business. What if we talked about the money side of things and the business y type stuff and the marketing, which neither of us were super comfortable with, but we thought, okay, it'll help us learn if we have to <laughs> come up with topics. And we honestly thought we had like 20, 30 episodes in us at most. And here we are at 435. <laughs> so, you know, things happen. Yeah. I
2: mean, like I often tell the story like about three or four episodes in, I realized, what have I, what have I, Bitten off here, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we've we've been pretty consistent about trying to get uh, this. This year's been been an exception, but we've been pretty good about getting an episode out every year, every week, at least something. And that's why I started doing these these episodes is buy me some time, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I was going to say, like, you know, so. But I often quote Charles's uh, Charles's talk. I don't know if you remember at NS North in Ottawa. Um, mm-hmm. He talked about the it was the beginning of the indie apocalypse. And he had that chart on the wall, like a big circle and a little red, a big blue circle and a little red, tiny red dot. And the tiny red dot were the developers that were actually making money developing apps. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. uh, That was a wake up call for me, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was, turned out to be very prophetic. I mean, he was right on the money there and it's, it's still that way. Um, yeah. handful, handful of developers really that are making most of the money still, uh, you know, and most of those are now large companies. There's a handful, very, very, very tiny little handful of Indies that are actually making their living. Um, you know, depending on how you define living, um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how that market shifted over time. It's kind of the natural progression, but in a lot of ways you didn't like, it didn't feel like it was going to be that way back then when he was talking about that. It's still, well, how like long that. have you been in Colorado now? Uh, I've been here for a year and a half, right? Almost
2: two so years. How ago. do you find the cost of living difference between New York city? You were in Manhattan before.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's funny because cost of living is all relative, I guess. Like in New York, I was able to live, probably I'm probably spending about the same amount that i spending I was spending in New York. The difference is that I'm living a much better lifestyle than I was before. Uh I'm not dealing with you know typical New York problems. I can own a car, for instance, and afford to park it. <laughs> you know, the, these kinds of things that are you know, I, I have a you know apartment complex here that has eh, probably four times the square footage as what I had in New York. And um so things of that nature, it just it's it's just much more comfortable living here. And the, the pace of this entire place is just So much more to my liking. Uh, I mean, I grew up in big cities. I've always lived in cities, but um, and I never thought like I could live in a smallish town, you know, 100,000 people or so, but it's worked out pretty well so far. I've actually, I have to admit as I get older that this feels a little better to me. So you're from Philadelphia, right? Yeah, Philadelphia originally, but right Right. in the heart of the city. So like, yeah, so I grew up in, you know, a a city, very urban environments. And I was always comfortable with that. But, you know, as you get older, sometimes, you know, not hearing fire engines all night every night is, is a good thing.
2: Yeah. Well, we <laughs> Carol and I just went to uh, New Brunswick to visit her family after like two years of not going anywhere, right? And um, man, the pace of life out there was was so much more relaxed. I mean, you know, they still have COVID, but they've had like seven cases in the in the town wow. we were in. Wow, the whole town has seven. Wow. Seven. Yeah. And there were people coming to visit, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone had to bring it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so the the well, the whole Eastern uh, provinces, you know, have had, they, they were in their own bubble for the longest time, you know, could travel between them because they had very low case. I mean, now they're starting to see some some cases out there. But yeah, it's like the whole attitude is completely different. Like, we were actually able to go out places and we went into you know, stores and stuff like that with masks. We went and saw a movie in a theater. Wow. You know? Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> concept I know.
2: So, yeah. yeah we went and saw a free guy jonathan and i we're actually sitting next to each other in a movie theater instead sort of like we do this podcast for like right. you in know, last three years and separate like he's way over there like 50 kilometers away right so right which is
1: 30 miles yeah, <laughs> yeah we said translate for the dumb americans yes <laughs> yeah
2: yeah actually that was another question i was going to ask you but i've forgotten what it is now oh well <laughs> um yeah. So so yeah. So today's the today that we as we record. It's September fourteenth, and we just had uh, an iPhone event. Yes. Um, which I think you know, rumors and being what they are. What What did you think? I mean, we weren't expecting to see a Mac, you know, okay. but we got the mini that we were that they were rumoring about. So what What did you think about
1: it? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised, actually, that they did the iPad this time around, because that means if they are going to do a later event for the Mac, like, say, October or November, they said there might be a, a Mac event later on, uh, then they'll really only have the Mac left. That's the only thing they didn't really.
2: Well, they didn't update. do a pro, pro iPad, though.
1: Yeah, but the Pro iPad came out this year, right? Earlier this year so. I oh, the M1, ex- that's right. You yeah, know. yeah. So maybe they would do an M1X iPad 2 or m M2, whatever they're going to call the chip. Um, But yeah, so it really left it like, oh, they might have some significant Mac news (laughs) if they're going to do that. Now, knowing our luck, maybe they'll just have a press release, but I can't can't think that. I have to think that this next laptop is going to be more of the iMac level of redesign uh, and therefore they're going to want to show it off you know, I think that this 16 inch and 14 inch uh, pro level laptop is going to be very different from the original M1 MacBook, which is really just the Intel MacBook with different innards. Um, so, uh, yeah, that part I thought was interesting. And I do love that iPad Mini. I wish I had a use case for it. I've only ever owned one Mini iPad. It was the very first one. I thought I'd switch to that, see how it worked with the smaller device and everything else. And I, it was one of those things where I was like attached to it emotionally, but I didn't really like it as like the smaller size was just smaller and enough that I didn't find it as useful. Um, like I would think like uh, editing my podcast on that would be a little harder right now. I have the 13 inch pro (laughs) and that's that extra space is really uh, useful. It's funny. I always want the smallest laptop possible, but the largest iPad possible. Um,
2: Yeah, I went from I had a, I had a couple, I had the first two minis. Like um, what I liked about them is they fit in my winter pocket, like mm-hmm. in, my, in my in my jacket, so I could basically just have an iPad Mini. You're supposed to have to carry the little purse, as my friend called it, right. uh, with the, with the <laughs> little iPad in it. But um, and and I had a 12 when it first came out, and uh, I really didn't like the size; it was just too big. And but you know, mind you, I'm a, I'm a MacBook Air user, MacBook Pro. 13 years or and they're it's virtually the same size the 12 right so yeah i'm now i'm now on an 11 i sometimes when i'm doing drawings and of that i regret not having the larger ipad but for the most part i mean i love it with the magic keyboard and it's small and mm-hmm. and the pencil i'm starting to I'm, i've been using the the pencil to write cursively on the screen instead of typing like an animal right <laughs> so i write like an animal but uh I just and i've been i've been doing 3d sculpture on the ipad which is kind of cool about like I, i'm as a traditional artist you can see this venus de milo behind me right mm-hmm. um i just printed that on my that's from a scan of the actual uh piece right oh, cool yeah so it's got all the marks and stuff where and it's been dropped and <laughs> kicked <laughs> around and stuff like that so it's kind of cool but um yeah. So, I'm you know, as a, as a traditional sculptor, I've always, you know, I don't have space. You need space for that kind of stuff. Right. And, and um, so now I, I started, I found this, this app called Nomad and it's it's very much like blender in a sense but you use your pencil to to draw and you basically you build up clay with your pencil which is really, oh, wow. really kind of cool and you slice it and you cut it and just like you would with traditional sculpture materials right so mm. except it's in you know and then i can print it on my 3d printer right so
1: right Yeah. wow well, that's really cool though yeah i i always feel I was the thing watching even the mini uh, demonstrations of videos that they were showing, they were showing the pilot with it strapped to his leg. And they were showing like the, the person up on the roof who's working on, you know, yeah. this kind of AR experience thing. And I think a lot of people overlook how many really cool pro iPad apps out there that actually exist. And those are probably doing fairly well as businesses, but they're not the typical Indies that we talk to at our conferences. And so people forget that those yeah. things are out there. And even like the, you know, the analysis of your sports swings and things of that nature. <laughs> Uh, it's it, it really is remarkable how, how powerful the iPad is at doing certain things where you would never take a laptop, right? And so, yeah, I, I, I went up back to to twelve point nine, whatever, thirteen inch uh, iPad this year because of that uh, liquid Retina XDR display that they had, yeah. and yeah. I thought that would be a significant enough difference to kind of push me over the edge. I've been, I had been on the eleven for a long time too. I do, I think I personally prefer the slightly smaller size, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I like, it, I like the full size keyboard better on the thirteen, um, and I do like. I mean, that screen is just absolutely gorgeous. So if they get that screen into the eleven next year, then it'll be yeah. something to consider for the next iPad. I get whenever I get. I think it.
2: that's exactly the reason why. I mean, I had just bought the 2020 um mm. iPad, whatever this is, A13 or whatever, A14. Um, and you know, it, it's the with the face ID, which I love, you know, anything anything with like biometric ID, I love that kind of stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I moved away from the mini, because the mini just took too long to get touch ID, right? Right. Um and then um yeah, and I've got I've got a surface on here so so the pencil feels like it's got a bit of drag. So when I draw on it, it's not plastic on glass you know that's i think you studied art right so you probably you know where i'm coming from bit. right yeah yeah <laughs> you want that conte crayon on on you know on rough
1: paper. paper kind of feel, yeah right exactly. but i'm not
2: we're not there yet but yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you, you could can do imagine. that with haptics that'd be amazing yeah
2: yeah yeah so i mean so yeah and they always throw me when they when they say ipad like you know they started going on about ipad i'm like but it, and then they said a 13 and i'm like wait a minute, what happened to the M1? And then, I, you know, it takes me a minute to remember, right. okay, that's the iPad Pro. Okay, Pro, right, versus... Pro, right. <laughs> regular. I bought it, did buy, I broke down a couple of months ago and bought an iPad or um, M1 Air. And mm-hmm. I and so I, I'm looking at you now on my, on my 2020 iPad Pro 13, but I have an M1 Air over there and I just go between them and the Air is so much nicer. It never gets hot, you know. Uh, yeah. It's lickety split. I haven't really, you know... Sort of kicked its tires too much with Xco and stuff like that, but but it's a nice machine. Like you know, even, oh
1: yeah, yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. They, okay. I was I was shocked at, sh- at the battery life difference. Uh, yeah, like, like, I don't days. even think. I don't think about charging anymore at all. Like I can go to, you know, now that I can go to like an outdoor cafe in the nice summer months, uh, I could just literally sit there and work an eight hour day in Xcode and no problem. Battery's still fine, (laughs) right? I mean, that just, yeah. Not even close to possible with my Intel, any of my Intel laptops I always had was like, I got four hours tops.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I find the same thing. Like especially with this guy, if I go sit and I have a couch just over there, which is what I'm gesturing at. Right, that's mm-hmm. where I do. That's where the money's made. <laughs> <laughs> this is my office where I'm at. When I'm at work, I'm I'm sitting here or doing a podcast. Right, but yeah, lots of fun. Um, but what do you think about the watch stuff and Fitness Plus? Are you are you into that whole world or? I
1: I want to get into fitness plus. I think the meditation might help me. um I'm not into like you know the, the hit stuff and dance and things of that nature. What I want to see them do, and I'm hopeful now because they did the uh winter sports prep kind of workouts. I want to see them like my favorite cardio is swimming. Uh, so, I have a pool here. And obviously, you think, well, how do you do fitness plus videos for swimming? <laughs> but they could at least do uh, dry land exercises for swimmers, right? There's lots of specific cardio and weight training uh, things that are out there for swimmers that I would love to see them do. And I think that would probably be my entry point into fitness plus. I think it's a great idea. I love the idea of, of the videos out there, but, um, yeah, I just don't, I haven't really dug into them yet. Um, I'm hoping with the meditation, maybe, uh, maybe I'll try the Pilates too, who knows. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a cool add on. I would have gotten it anyway because I'm on the one subscription. Uh, so it's one of those things where I don't even think about paying for it. It just kind of is, uh, and the whole family gets it, which is great. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think. It, their, their additions to it, it, it. I like that they're investing in it and you can see that already that it's taking off for them clearly. And it's going to be a huge seller of Apple watches, especially now that they're making it you know, work out with your friend, 32 of your friends um, kind of a thing. It's going to be a real peer pressure point for a lot of people I to how to that's get to, watches that's
2: to Peloton and people like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's hard to say but Peloton doesn't you know they're they're starting to discount their bikes uh, they're starting to like they're starting to show signs that the competition is is coming creeping in on them. Uh, and it's it's classic Apple right? I mean they're the kind of people that can do uh, a breadth of experience that like you know if you're coming in at like Sonos uh, right who uh, came in and they're just going to do speakers right and it's like well Apple going to walk into this market and do home pods and then also do 10,000 other audio related things that you can't do. Uh, and that's kind of where they Whenever they pick a market, you're kind of in trouble for that reason, because Apple can just, they have so many resources that they can just enter a market and they don't need the money on fitness plus so they can afford to just throw money at it indefinitely. Whereas, yeah. So I think a company like Peloton is going to be in trouble uh, probably in the next couple of coming years. Well, I, I mean, like the thing with the
2: watch is like every platform's needed a killer app of some type, right? To sort of get that market, and, and I think fitness, I mean, health is one thing that they're they're focusing on with the app, with the watch, and now fitness. By the way, you can do swimming on your watch. I mean, my wife oh, yeah. goes to, does Pilates and or not. Watch, she does Aquafit, they call it, I don't know what you call it in the states. But hmm. you know, you get in the water and you do you do a workout, right? And um, the problem is that the watch, so indoor swimming is doing laps. Right. right. And then outdoor. there's an outdoor open water swimming, I guess that's because I went with her one time a couple of months ago and it was just, it was brutal to work out. Right. But
1: I wore my right. watch the whole time. <laughs> yeah. No, I do wear my watch when I swim, uh, but I, I'm just thinking like for fitness plus to watch an instructor while you're swimming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when they have you're Apple. Saying, yeah. yeah. With Maybe the they'll water, have Apple like swim goggles. Bags, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, your, That'd be kind of cool. Camera, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want them to do more swimming workouts actually though, because yeah, I went snorkeling recently a couple of weeks ago. I was in Maui and Uh, you know, I did the open water swim thing, but it's still expecting you to swim out there. Like it's saying I was doing breaststroke or freestyle. I'm like, no, I was (laughs) snorkeling. Like like you you need to find, I I would like to see them do something with that, where they could say like other types of activities that are happening in the water than just traditional laps would be good. And they
2: need a Jacques Cousteau mode or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Another thing Uh, you've always talked about too, is, is the, the mini phone. So how do you, what do you, how do you, cause you were an SE guy, right? You were waiting for the SE to come out. And so what do you think about these minis that they're doing?
1: I love, I have my 12 mini now. I love it. Uh, I will upgrade to the 13 mini. Uh, I kind of wish they still had a green cause I'm a big green guy. Uh, but, uh, I'm looking at the midnight now, which isn't quite black. It looks like a really, really deep blue to me. Um, But, and then, you know, even the, uh, that kind of off-white, whatever they're calling starlight is interesting too. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I was, my biggest fear this year was that they were going to come up with a pro that was so compelling that I wouldn't want the mini anymore. Uh, But to me, uh, I've kind of, felt for a long time that the camera is good enough. I like to take photographs, but uh, I'm constantly like, I'm on the new glass platform up there. You know, I don't know if you've heard of glass, this new uh, photo sharing, it's sort of like Instagram, but it's a paid subscription, uh, social thing with no ads. Uh, and anyway, like th- it's great. Cause it's just all photographers, like real people who are taking night nice shots. It's not just people, you know, influencers. <laughs> so, um, uh, ever since I joined that, I, the one comment I get constantly with my photos is, oh my God, that's a mini. <laughs> they, they, they can't believe that the, mini is taking photos that are that good. And so to me, the camera is good enough and they have improved it on the, on the new one, which is great. Uh, and the promotion thing is kind of important to me on an iPad, but I'm not so sure on my phone that it's as necessary. Uh, so I'm going to keep the, uh, I'm going to stick with the mini this time around. I th- I feel like it's the perfect sized iPhone. Uh, I really wish that it had a future. I, I do understand the rumors out there that Apple's not selling enough of them and they're going to do th- the second model year because this was kind of an S year anyway. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I kind of hope it sticks around I'm, I'm hoping against hope that maybe they'll sell more of them this year but probably not and i'll probably have to go back to a big phone but i'm one of the weirdos who wants a small phone but not not a cheap phone <laughs> i, yeah, I kind of wonder to,
2: yeah. yeah i wonder if that's because we're you know the all the phone companies are giving you a deal on the 12 like the, the 12 i not want to say 12 but i mean it'll be 13 now right as we right. record but like they're giving you a deal on that do they really give you a deal on the mini like do they give you money back when you buy a mini
1: (laughs) right yeah well it is cheaper in price slightly but that like i like i said i wouldn't matter i wouldn't care if it was the same price like if i could get the pro camera into the mini that would be my ideal iphone yeah but but i think uh part of what happened with the mini honestly is covid i think that people didn't see it in their hands and everyone ordered their iphones last year online and so they didn't really get a sense for size. And so like if, if the stores had been open and people could have walked into the store and kind of handled it a little bit, I think it might've made a difference. There's certain Apple products that you just have to have in your hand before you quite understand them. And the mini is definitely one of them. Like as soon as I opened that thing up and I started playing with it, I'm like, Oh, this is so much better. (laughs) It's just like, obviously the right size phone for me. Cause I don't do a lot of pro level stuff on my phone. I do phone stuff. If I really want to do something complicated or, uh, you know, serious, I'm always going to my MacBook pro or my iPad.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. But I, I, I love the camera on the 12 Pro. Like, I just I'm constantly yeah. shooting with it now. So, I even tried to capture a moose the other day at, at the farm, but <laughs> but uh, that was not to be. But um, yeah, it, it, it's surprising, like the what what you can do with the camera on this thing. And and you know, I, I you're right. I do know a glass. I think my friend Greg's on there, so mm-hmm. um, I, I did take a quick peek at it. <laughs> yeah. but... Uh, yeah, that's cool. Um what else did they talk about today at the show? Um Yeah, I oh, missed the watch. And... Yeah. Oh, the watch. Yeah, the new one with the with the display that wraps around, right?
1: Yeah, that was kind of funny because a lot of the rumors had you know this watch design that was going to be a flat edge, sort of like the new iPhones, and uh, it's kind of interesting when whenever, whenever the rumors are that far wrong, it's always I'm like, okay, was that an, a a deliberate leak of something, or is that a future watch that somebody misinterpreted? <laughs> you know, there's always like the possibilities of why that information came out that was so wrong, and you saw all these 3D mockups of what it might look like. Uh, but in retrospect, it does make a lot of sense. Like, yeah, they were talking about how the curvature is more flattened out, and then the bot the base of the actual screen is now rectangular, but it's, it's inside the casing. So it basically makes it more resistant to uh, cracks. Um, okay. Yeah. Not that that was a huge problem with the watch anyway, but I guess people are breaking their screen. So uh, it's also more dust resistance. Uh, so yeah, the watch, it wasn't that big an upgrade. It seems like uh, they didn't really add any new sensors to it. The new sizes are really nice though. It does seem like the screen they barely made the watch ever so slightly, like one millimeter thicker or you know, larger uh, diagonally, but it's uh, mainly in, in redu- reduction of bezels that you get the screen uh, real estate bump. So it looks nice. looks pretty compelling. Uh, I always get the titanium watch, so that's a bit of an expensive proposition. <laughs> we'll see if... Uh, luckily, I don't have to make a decision yet because that's going to be not coming out probably, I'm I'm thinking around November, because right now on the website, you can't even price one out. There There's precious little detail about they have like a web page up there about the series seven but nothing on like what it would actually you know take to order one so i think when they say later this fall they mean like maybe december 20th
2: <laughs> well, in the corner of my eye i noticed that the, it, you know on the edge you could see part of the display too which is why i was talking about the wraparound right so, oh right yeah yeah I, well so- i guess if the if the actual lcd panel wraps on the corner, then that, maybe that's where all those folded uh, phone rumors were going towards,
1: right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I think they're they're doing a lot of experimentation lately with screens, and I think a, a, an item like the watch where they sell far fewer of them when we're talking about much smaller panels, it's easier for them to experiment a little bit than they can on something like the iPhone, which, because yeah, everyone was saying, like, I, I think there was a tweet already from Samsung, like, hey, we've been doing 120 hertz, you know, uh, refresh rate forever, and it's like Renee Richie was like, yeah, well, that's because you were willing to settle for A much crappier screen (laughs) and you're doing it in much smaller volumes than apple has to when apple's selling 14 million of these things in a quarter it's like i can't even begin to imagine the logistical nightmare it is to to keep all those parts in in stock you know
2: sure um do you want to switch to the hot seat sure (laughs) i'm I'm sure i'm sure you'll come up with all kinds of tangents um yeah and i and i get to ask you some arty questions too which is great um so I get the first question is, uh, what's your motto?
1: Wow. This probably changes every other week. So yeah, I'd say my motto is don't stand still, you know, <laughs> uh, always be moving in, in some direction, hopefully not backwards.
2: Okay, cool. And, uh, who are your heroes in real
1: life? That's a great you know I've been trying to get away from the concept of heroes lately I did a talk at 360 I did recently where I, I suggested that heroes are dangerous in real life compared to like the Marvel universe because heroes are humans and they Tend to mess up, and so you end up in a situation where someone you really admired does something really stupid, which seems to be happening with increasing frequency lately. Uh, and then you end up trying to defend somebody who really shouldn't be defended. Um, and so, yeah, I, lately I've been kind of moving away from heroes per se that are actual people and moving towards more abstract ideas. Like whoever whoever came out with the vaccine for this virus is my hero, right? Like people in a lab whose names we'll never know. Those are kinds of, the kinds of people that are my heroes. Yeah, sure.
2: yeah. I think that I think I think the Yeah. I don't know if it's like the hero in the sense of Iron Man or whatever. It's just, you know, who, who, I mean, who inspires you?
1: Inspires you.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, the question was written a long time ago. (laughs) Um, so what words or phrases do you misuse regularly?
1: (laughs) Misuse regularly. Literally. Definitely. is one of my big ones. I can't stop saying no matter how much I know, literally I'm wrong using it that way. Um, That's a good question. I think you're
2: figuratively wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably my big one. I have lots of I I have a really, really terrible tendency towards hyperbole. I get it from my dad. Uh, So everything is like 87 million when it's really 10. (laughs) Like I just like to, I I like the art of exaggeration. I'm a huge, uh, you know, Mark Twain fan. So, uh, you know, I like using those kinds of uh, literary devices, uh, understatements, things of that nature, but I use them so much in casual conversation that people often take me literally. And then, you know, think I'm just pulling numbers out of my butt when I'm like, no, I just meant that as a massive exaggeration duration on purpose
2: okay what's your favorite <laughs> occupation
1: oh favorite oh it would be musician if i could make a living doing that that's exactly what i would be doing i think yeah
2: yeah you've been doing it for a while obviously right
1: <laughs> been playing since yeah i was uh took piano lessons at like seven or eight years old uh, picked up the bass when i was 11 or 12 and uh yeah so it's been quite a while playing uh don't do it enough but never enough especially with covid it's like haven't been able to play with other people much yeah yeah <laughs> like a 360 i did last month we did uh james dempsey we did a little bit of, uh, of a Breakpoints uh, jam and how it worked out really well and it was it was just amazing to be back on a stage and playing in front of people again. It's been too long.
2: Yeah. So, but it was the um, air. What was the one? Your other band, Air Supply. No,
1: not Air Supply. Air, <laughs> Airplane mode yeah airplane Airplane mode mode, yeah yeah Yeah, we haven't played it forever since i moved out here uh that would have made it hard anyway but uh you know uh, as far as i know dave is still uh, recording and writing songs and whatever but and i'll i'm more than happy to record with him whenever and whenever he comes out here to denver we could play a show or two or i go back to new york whenever that becomes more possible
2: okay who's your favorite hero of fiction
1: ah fiction um lately i Yeah, <laughs> lately I've been thinking. Of one of my favorite fictional characters uh, is Yossarian from Catch Twenty Two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I love, uh, I, I just love Joseph Heller's sense of humor and the idea. Like Kerr Vonnegut was another big fan of, uh, yeah. The, uh, b- b- person I was a fan of. Uh, I just love the way that they can find the humor in the most absurd and most absolute dark places of humanity. Uh, and I, I've always found that character like the, the fact that he's constantly putting these. Weird, precarious positions, and the way he finds his way out of it is is fascinating to me so yeah and i, I rewatched the movie uh recently a few years ago, and uh Alan Arkin played the part so well' just, I don't know if the movies was a successful translation of the book, but I did enjoy it on on last watching of it the first time I watched it, I am like this isn't really working
2: <laughs> they did a they did a catch twenty two t v show recently too I don't know if you saw that.
1: I did not see that. Yeah, I wanted to. And I for whatever reason, I never got around. There's way too much TV mail. These. I can never catch up to all the stuff yeah. that's out there. I don't know how you folks do it on this podcast. That, how you keep up with that many shows half the time. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm still watching this one from two years ago.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, the, the secret is we... we... Up until recently, we were actually watching the show about five minutes before we started recording. Oh, wow. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, we record on Thursday nights, and the show comes out here in Canada on Thursday night, right, for free, right? Right. So now, now we've all switched to using Crave so we can watch an event, which is the HBO Max to you amer- Americans. but Right, right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I'm a huge... I I learned to read by because of Kurt Vonnegut. I was in, mm-hmm. like, probably second year university, and I didn't realize that I, you know, I looked at books before and I did all the assignments in class and stuff I mean I got 50% in an English class once mm. um because I just it just wasn't something that I was really into and um yeah somebody handed me Breakfast of Champions and mm. it all it just spoke to me right and I learned how to let my head go and get into the book and you know spend spend a lot of time you know with Vonnegut and that kind of stuff it's it's fun, it's, it's funny it's different I've read a couple of the books uh, again recently. And they just, they don't seem to hit the same notes that they did when I was like 20 something. Right. So
1: interesting. Yeah. That happens a lot. I remember reading like John Updike when I was in high school and my teacher saying, you don't, you're not going to get that yet. Like read that again when you're 40 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. and yeah, like, cause you know, it was about divorce and it was about like adult oh, themes yeah. that I'd like, you just don't have any reference point uh, for that yet. And yeah, I think certain ter- certain books hit you at certain times in your life, but yeah, no, Vonnegut was definitely that, uh, uh that was my entryway into wanting to read outside of school right like i right. had the books i was assigned at school and then yeah he was the first one i'm gonna read everything this guy writes <laughs> and i would just yeah, start re- reading that yeah. on the side yeah
2: and i yeah. And because i got into the sci- sci-fi stuff i mean cyrus tight sirens of titan and um mm-hmm. what was the other one about the troll uh oh uh, slaughterhouse five yeah, Slaughterhouse-Five, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then that got me, that was my gateway into into um, Heinlein and mm-hmm. Asimov and all that kind of stuff, you know. So I hope yeah. they don't ruin Foundation, that's all I'm worried about, you know. Yeah,
1: only have a few weeks, right? We'll find out if they do yeah. or not. <laughs>
2: well, they, they did a Brave New World show um, a few months ago, and or last year, I guess. And it was okay, it was very produced right mm-hmm. um it looked nice and that kind of thing but it, it didn't i didn't quite get the same messages that i got when i read it you know it's more about you know how you could create people in a test tube and because back then that was not a possibility right today it's like i have two nephews right because of that <laughs> technology right right um but um you know and and how you could how where your how your genes are put together can create a different you know class of people right and and how that sort of broke down didn't come out in the show at all you know mm-hmm. it, was so, it was sort of like these people have privileges and those ones are just dumb like mm-hmm. that's how they kind of pre- pre- didn't have the same messages to me that, that that the original book had right so it's a shame well that i'm hoping and i remember reading foundation obviously and you know on the foundation and all the robot series they're all different right like the you know the first ones are written in the 50s and they have a very sort of 50s sci-fi flavor to them But they're still compelling stories, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm worried that that they're going to just sort of paint it with one brush and, you know. (laughs)
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's an interesting challenge because you want them to have a unified feel to them. But at the same time, yeah, you want to stay faithful enough to the books I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a really hard challenge. And Some books aren't meant to be filmed. Them, um, yeah. You know. <laughs> like a lot well, of people complain complain about the Lord of the Rings films, and I'm like, they're about as good as you can make if you ignore the fact that if you filmed the book, it would be a really really boring. It'd be like film. a year long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it'd just be people walking around the forest most of exactly. the time. You know, yeah. like that's really compelling when you're reading it, but it doesn't. You know, visually it doesn't work. You know, uh, and so you know, entire battles that took place in one paragraph end up being a half hour of the movie. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a translation is always gonna be a translation. But yeah, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm hopeful because Apple T V Plus has come out of the gate with I think they've done better than most people expected with their early crop of shows. So uh hopefully this one will be a, a star. We'll see.
2: Cool. What's your most prized possession?
1: Oh, uh that's easy. It's over here on my side. It's a base uh that was made for me by a guy named Dale Bluebond, who is a luthier in Philadelphia. Um and it, it was like a, you know, I was a bass player from a early age and I had my little starter bases, you know, and I always played left-handed upside down, kind of goofy, with my strings backwards. Uh, and my brother met this guy who was, you know, he was, he had a repair shop above a cleaners, his father's cleaner store. Uh, and he would make custom bases for people as well. And he made most of his money on repairs and he would basically make these bases out of love and not charge all that much, but they were the most amazing pieces of wood craftsmanship you could possibly imagine. Uh, and so I started, Hanging out at his shop, I would just show up in there and be like, "Hey, that's cool. Let me play your bass," you know. And he he was fascinated with the way I played, and he would hear me play because I could just pick up his right-handed basses and play them upside down. <laughs> and one day he was he said, "You know, when are you going to make a bass for me?" You know, "What am I going to make one for you?" You know, and I said, "Well, how much would that cost?" And we went back and forth, and he like basically made it at cost for him, you know, because he, he just wanted to see me have one. Uh, and so uh, while he was making that uh, bass, just before he finished it, uh, he and his wife were driving uh, on a road in the evening in Philadelphia. It's a particularly windy road called the West River Drive. And uh, they got a drunk driver, came and hit them, killed them both. And so this is the last base he ever made. Basically, he wasn't quite finished it. His, his uh, apprentice just did the uh, the lacquer on it and put the electronics on it for me. Uh, and so it's been in my possession ever since then. That was 20 plus years ago. Uh, And yeah, that's, that's the thing that uh, if I'm going to run into the building for anything other than the cat and, you know, people that I would, I would run in the burning building for this thing. Yeah.
2: Well, that's a good question. I should ask that. I should change the question. to What would you run into a burning building? (laughs) (laughs) So, so you play like you're like McCartney, you play backwards, like you play, you pull with your, you fret with your right hand and you a pluck with your left? Is that
1: pluck with my left, yeah. And my strings are backwards too. So, so... the ba- e- l- low E's on the bottom? On the bottom, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. So it, it's nice because I can You're pick like up Hendrix. someone. The Hendrix yeah. bass. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few people that play like that. Um, it's It just comes from ignorance. When I first picked up a bass for the first time, I just flipped the right hand one upside down, and I just assumed that's how it was done. Uh, I didn't realize the strings were going to be the other way. Uh, and then by the time I got it, my first left-handed bass, they're like, oh, you're playing this backwards. And I said, well, can you fix the strings for me? Because <laughs> I'd much rather keep playing this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it just stuck. And and uh, so, yeah, this one was made for me that way. Uh, and anytime I buy a store-bought bass, I buy a left-handed one, and then I have to have them make a new nut for me to flip it backwards. I was
2: going to say, yeah, because the, cause the tension on the strings is different, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you just get a, a you know a different nut made, mm. and it works out. But it's nice yeah. too because, like acoustic guitars, I just flip them upside down. It's no big deal. I just play right-handed, right acoustic. So as long as it doesn't have a cutaway,
2: that's cool. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, ha- I finally got a wreck myself. Um,
1: oh, love those things.
2: But uh, I was, I saw, I, I, yeah, I an amazing story about the Paul McCartney Reckenbacher. I don't know if you know it, but uh, and because you think of the influence the Beatles had at the time, right? Which was nothing. <laughs> he <laughs> like there's a there's a McCartney issue uh, Reckenbacher. You can get you know right-handed. Um, but the headstock's upside down because <laughs> McCartney, if you look at his his bass in, in the Beatles, right? Rickenbacker wouldn't make him a base with, they wouldn't make him a, a, a flipped headstock. Huh. So he's got a left-handed headstock or a right-handed headstock on a left-handed Up base. base. <laughs> so it's like, it's like you, he's playing it upside down. Kind of.
1: <laughs> That's so funny that they wouldn't <laughs> do that for him. Yeah, hey, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> Paul, Paul. who? <laughs> yeah, now they'd be falling over anybody. You know, to, well, so to make that so what's
2: cool is is now you can. There was a reissue, right? So I can buy it. For the right hand, so I'm playing it right-handed like normal, but right. the headstock's flipped backwards right to match McCartney's. Right, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, ironically, right now they'll do it. <laughs> you know, and I should have bought that bass. It's one of those. You know, my wife and I have a rule: if you see it and you and it says "Take me, I'm yours," mm. buy it. Because the minute you walk out of that store, you'll never see it again. You know,
1: that's right. That's so, right.
2: We, so we started doing that which is how i ended up with this base i went into we have a store here called 12th fret which is like sales consignment uh gear and new gear and all like i said it's all the top stuff mm-hmm. um i walked in one day and it was a rickenbacker base and i sent her a text message saying hey i found a rick and she says how much is it and i went told her how much it was she says well you have a birthday coming <laughs> perfect you know
1: <laughs> sold <laughs> sold
2: no that's Christmas, really- no birthday for me this year, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, finally got a Rick. Um, but I'm I'm not I'm a, ho- a hobbyist bass player. I'm actually a guitarist, but mm-hmm. yeah, so lots of fun. And I've been wrestling with the idea of how to do virtual COVID um playing like i went and bought a a set of drums or like a a rolling set of drums so i could learn i've been learning how to play drums because my drummers are all you know locked away right
1: (laughs) right exactly yeah that's happened to me when i first moved from philly to california i had suddenly had no one to play with and so i did the same thing i got like you know, all kinds of plugins. And I I bought my first guitar then Mm -hmm. actually learned how to play chords properly. And like, I just had to record by myself You know, and just did whatever I could. And uh, luckily I had a brother who was a drummer. So I, I kind of watched him and kind of knew the basics of drumming. So I, I I found some college kid had a a rolling kit, you know, a cheap little electric pad kit. And I just bought that and started playing it. Yeah. Yeah. drumming is amazing for letting out your frustrations if yeah i don't understand why drummers are angry like <laughs> they're, always, they're always coming up like, if i could beat things all day <laughs> for a living then the rest of my day would be pretty happy
2: <laughs> yeah it is a, it is a full body workout too i mean like yeah. like it's it's interesting to sort of learn how to play i mean i can basically do you know standard four and four uh, four on the floor bat pattern but that's about as far as i've gotten really mm-hmm. you know um let's see what can i ask you now um you already done. Yeah. You know i want to ask you one question that comes over from from the other podcast um because as a as somebody who studied art and like myself you probably appreciate where this question comes from mm-hmm. and the question in on the show is form or function ah. but the real meaning is and you and i both know that form follows function it's according function. to these van, van der Rohe. so what do you what's your answer to the form and function question
1: yeah you can't have one without the other right <laughs> so it really is uh making sure they're serving each other um and i think that's that's one of the biggest challenges of design really i think a lot of people I, I i keep as someone who worked as a designer for many years before i started coding now whenever a designer hands me something i always have my way of looking at it which is like well all right where's the mock up with you know the, the the body font size at twenty four point you know what what's going to happen to this design when we set this accessibility uh you know and, yeah uh, you know or how does this serve the you know, you're like you made me a pretty picture. <laughs> Right. And I think it's still way too much. Uh, there there's way too much of that going on in the design world. Uh, people who are making pretty pictures instead of saying like, hey, did you read the HIG at all? Did you? You know, I don't <laughs> care if it's, if it's like Kotlin or whatever, whatever platform you're on, like yeah. read the interface guidelines. And like, you're, you're drawing a uh, you know, you want this perfect pixel, perfect mock-up and you're drawing me a nav bar. That's five pixels taller than the actual iPhone's nav bar. It's like that, that, that is, do you want me to build this in this crazy custom way? i have to do it or can i just use you know uh and so yeah it's funny like i really feel like and not enough designers think enough about the function of what the programmer has to do in in order to implement that thing right and so yeah when you're when you're thinking of a design party party you wants to say go nuts and open your mind and be free uh, you know, it was that, that old quote by Kurt Vonnegut. He said, you know, of course, science fiction authors come up with the, the most incredible ideas because they don't, they don't have to worry about the science part. They don't have to worry right. about it actually working. You know, right. Like Jules Verne could write about a submarine before it was ever invented because he just thought boat underwater. Uh, he didn't have to solve that problem. But I do think there's benefit, especially when you're making products and when you're making things that are actually out there in the real world for actual people to use, then that has to be a consideration. You're not making art anymore. You're making something to be used by a human uh and so yeah i I think you can't you can't concentrate on either one of them too much you have to always let one uh complement the other if you will
2: so as as a somebody who's come into development as well um you've been through the sort of auto layout nightmares that we had for several (laughs) years till they finally figured it out and then as soon as they figure it out and they've got it down down to a science they come out with swift ui um, what do you think about SwiftUI and its sort of promise of like, and a, a device agnostic language.
1: Yeah, I think that is the right direction. I think we're still years away from it being the practical reality. Uh, it's sort of like when I, I started learning code like two years before Swift happened. And I'm so glad that I still know Objective C because it still comes up. And so I'm glad that I learned <laughs> you know, how to do uh, auto layout code before Swift UI came around because that's going to come in handy for many more years. There's no, you, know, you can't build a full app without jumping down into a, a, a different framework. Framework at some point still. Uh, but having said that, I love the idea of Swift UI. I love the idea of separating, you know, it's the old CSS HTML idea where it's like how it looks should be separate from how it you know functions. Uh and so I like that in theory. I like that you're basically building smaller files. Constantly, you're building a single view and and keeping that in its own place. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, there's still too many places, especially in the contract work that I'm doing, uh, where I can't use, I, you know, I'm, I'm stuck on iOS 13. And so it's like, well, 13 can use some Swift UI, but not all of it. And so it's this constant battle. Uh, I will be happy when I can build an entire app that just works on all of Apple's platforms in Swift UI. Like I could see where they're headed with it. Uh, but I think we're still a long ways before it gets there.
2: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's sort of like, um, you know i've always joked about the fact that photoshop or adobe's going to come out with iphone creator 1.0 you know sort of thing like like we like you probably been around long enough to know that some of the stuff you do in photoshop you have to do with like three applications in the past you know or 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 with lots of bailing wire and ju- and jury rigging right All right um yeah i mean so it's, it's interesting like to to sort of see uh you know that you can you can take the same chunk of code and put it out on an iphone or an apple tv or a watch or a mac you know maybe just add the menu and the mac and that kind of stuff for some of those paradigms but it's i think it's interesting that you can have one sort of design idea right i mean because like you mentioned pixel perfect before and, and that's always been a nightmare in just in any kind of coding whether it's uh, web or, or mobile but i mean the idea of that's where i Think the logo should go, and that's where I say it should go, and it has to go there. And you can
1: imagine right. all these crazy art directors we dealt with in the past, right? <laughs> but I'm the yeah. art director, you know. That's right. I say it's 16 point type. I'm like, yeah, but if we just use 17, that would save me hours, because <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> that's the or standard. Nobody's going to be able to read your eight point type right. on this phone, right? <laughs> exactly, especially in, with accessibility, right? So, yeah, in dark gray on light gray background. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> it reminds me of if you're, you've seen the Monty Python sketch, Michael. Michelangelo's Last Supper. Oh, I don't know. But I probably, probably have. Title.
1: Uh, yeah, remind me. I may well, have. John
2: pleases the Pope, and Eric right. calls in Michelangelo to talk about this Sistine or this Last Supper that he's created, right? Right. And he's like, you know, he's questioning him, like, why are there three Christs? <laughs> it works, man. <laughs> <laughs> and lose the donkey, right? <laughs> <laughs> And then he's like, crazy. "Well, maybe this." And there was only twelve apostles. You've got like thirty people in this <laughs> painting, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> And He's oh, like, you crazy. know, he's like, "Look, I want, you know, I want one Christ and twelve apostles by Thursday next, or you don't get paid." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that is so classic. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. one I'm gonna to have to go look that one up. I, I have like the box set of Monty Python somewhere. I gotta go back and, and find that because I don't I don't remember that one. Yeah, I think it's a
2: live one. It's one of the ones they did. Oh, okay. And then at the end of it he says, you know, I may not know, know much about art, but I know what I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well on that note, I think we can wrap it up here. Um so if uh people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? And sure can you, you tell on. us what you're working on.
1: Next. Yeah. Uh, well I just, I put out a quick version of my caffeine tracker recap recently. Uh, and that is just a little app on the app store that I have out there. Um, uh hopefully gonna do some more iOS fifteen y stuff with it soon. I didn't have a chance to work on it too much in the summer, but that'll be out there. Uh release notes happens every Monday and you can find that at release notes.tv. You can find me at joe uh at j on Twitter and then I'll spell that for you. C-I-E-P-L-I-N-S-K-I. Uh, C I E P L I N S K I uh on micro blog and, and that kind of stuff, uh, glass and places like that. Uh yeah, I couldn't get Joe C on Twitter. I joined too late. Uh and that's about it, I think.
2: Yeah, I was too dumb. I should—I could have probably got Tim or Tim M or something like that, but I just went with my name and then realized, oh, well, I could have done something clever, but what are you going to do? Anyway, so that being said, I'm Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machines where you'll find me. And before we go, I'm just going to ask people to click right about here to this to subscribe for this video um yeah because you know i'm trying to trying to get the audience pick up up. apparently i found out i have to have a thousand people following the show just subscribing before they'll let me put the the mtjc merch on the page right wow i'm I'm looking at all these other guys well how come they've got merch on their pages and that's why
1: that's how okay
2: uh, Apparently, there's some sort of. I'm I'm going to investigate. There's some sort of divide between Redbubble and and Teespring, in terms of Teespring seems to be moving more towards. They want to deal with the big players. Mm. That's the rumor, anyway.
1: Interesting. Yeah. That
2: okay. being said, Mike's going to do the. Uh, this is me queuing Mike. He's going to do the uh, the uh, voiceover, and uh, we'll say thanks for being on the show. Oh, and we'll get your your fifth uh, MC jc uh mtjc jacket to you soon (laughs) (laughs) awesome cool all right thanks joe
0: yeah anytime this has been another episode of the more than just code podcast If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word.
2: Anyway, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for being on the show again.
1: Are you going to do, are you recording
2: with the break notes again for this next thing that James is doing?
1: Oh, uh, what's he doing? Oh, is he's doing some new songs or whatever, right? Um, he asked. He said, he, "Well, he has his studio bass player. He's used the he used on his album or whatever." Oh, right, right, And uh, he said, "Like he's got first dibs, obviously." He said, "But he hasn't been getting back to me." He said, "If if I'm in a pinch and I need a bass player, you want, would you record with me?" I said, "Absolutely." I said, "But I understand. You know, go with go with who you're familiar with, and you're you're a longtime player. Uh, but if that guy refuses, then yeah, I guess I'm I'm next on deck. So I would like to do that because I had a blast. You know, we're
2: all right now. Just we got the song, and we're we're it's all of us conditioned Breakpoints, I call this right. <laughs> right. Um, we're uh, we're just doing a recording right now, so yeah. Uh, after after like tonight, after we get off the, the call here, I'm probably going to do my tracks and oh, send cool. them in. Cool. Oh, enjoy that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Already. And uh thanks again for being on the show. We'll talk to you later. Anytime. All okay. right. Bye.